This is the Business Central Manufacturing Show, and I am Martin Karlovic. So hi folks, today I'm with Kevin Fons, who is a senior application consultant in the US. Kevin not only has over 16 years of experience in all areas of NAV, Business Central, including ISV add-ons. Moreover, he also has been working over 30 years in manufacturing, including many years in management and ERP-focused roles. Because of his background, Kevin has extensive expertise in the areas of supply chain, manufacturing, warehousing, EDI, data system setup, and business operations. At Inovia Consulting, Kevin has served as project lead for multiple new and re-implemented NAV and BC projects for a diverse group of customers. Kevin lives in the Madison, Wisconsin area with his wife as a recent empty nest. He is an avid downhill skier, rock climber, trail runner, cyclist, and enjoys many other outdoors activities. Kevin, I'm glad that you're here with me today. Welcome to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. Thank you, and good morning and good evening, depending on where you're located. When we met, actually, before the show, you told me that your family originates from Germany and that your grandfather worked for Volkswagen to help set up the production for the first Beatles produce. So is it fair to say that a bit of manufacturing blood runs through your veins? Yeah, I think that's more than fair to say. I've, I've always been a kind of a tinkerer, problem solver, wanted to make things more efficient, see how things work. It's always been about process too. I mean, I kind of like process more than anything and seeing if you can do it faster, easier and better. You know, even, even when I was young and had jobs, you know, making pizzas and things, it was kind of a goal to see how many pizzas we could make in a night and just constantly improving the process. So now constantly improving the processes seems the one thing that fascinates you about manufacturing and how then did you get to Dynamics NAV and what fascinates you with Dynamics 365 Business Central? When I was uh, working on the customer side, we had been working with a different ERP solution and sales wanted to in integrate CRM. So we started a mini search and looking for systems that had both CRM and manufacturing One of the systems they showed us was Dynamics Nav at that point, I think it was 3.7 or even earlier. And we had looked at some other systems and things. And my, my boss had asked me, he says, well, what do you think? And I said, well, out of the ones we saw so far, I think Dynamics was the one. And I hadn't heard anything for like, like two or three months. And I went and asked him, I said, are we still looking for a system? He goes, oh, no, we went with Nav. We're going to implement it this spring. So we started, <laughs> which isn't your normal ERP search, but... We started an implementation in March of 2004 and went live in July 2004. So it was incredibly fast. And like any implementation, the first six months or so were somewhat painful. But then after that, it became a huge tool for improving our business and our access to data and internal processes. It just, I grew to really, really love the product. So could you give me some examples how it helps? Or how it helped you that time to improve processes for the company you worked for and some examples of how it improves processes for the customers that you serve today? Yeah, I mean, we were, especially when we went to the role tailor client, we were able to customize each user's work center. So they really only saw what they needed to see. We would automate some processes where they were repetitive. You know, the one of the things I always say is that It really depends on how often you do something. I mean, little things like moving fields around, if it saves you a couple seconds, but if you're doing 
an enormous amount of transactions, that can add up to a lot of cost savings. I'm never one that's been afraid of doing mods. With the new Business Central, the mods are, are the architecture is much better for a mod because you can keep upgrading your system for the most part without being affected by the mods. So, But even with the ones we had, it really didn't impact our upgrades that much, as, as much as people would think. So, I mean, we, we did make quite a few mods, but there was also access to the data. We used things like SQL Server reporting. We had a, a data reporting cube, and just getting access to that data that we had in the system was huge. I mean, our sales guys could go out in the field with the data we had and data we supplemented with our distributor data. They were able to tell, we actually sold to distributors who sold to bike shops. They were actually able to tell the bike shops more about what they were selling than the bike shops knew about what they were selling. So it became a you know just a huge tool for collecting data and seeing where problems occurred in your processes. So what you just said is that the core strength of Business Central to help customers improve process is both the flexibility and the access to more data and the faster access to more meaningful data. So how can manufacturing companies benefit from these capabilities? There's a ton of data collected by manufacturing companies, assuming that they are using the system to do, you know, process their production orders through and their sales and shipments. And I think what happens a lot of times is, is companies caught so much in the day-to-day -day stuff, they don't step back and start looking at some of that data that's actually there and they own, pulling out data on how long it's actually taking you to make things or pulling out data where labor is a large content, you know, to identify potentially areas where you might want to, you know, look at those those processes and see if you can save some time in those processes, right? There's also, you know, everything from how many production orders you're producing through a certain area, um, you name it, setup times, you know, where should I reduce my setup times? What's my actual setup time versus my, my routing says? There's just so much data available that doesn't really get used as much as you would think it should. Well, even data that's there that, you know, just for scheduling your floor, like kind of Netronics does, but the data is all there. It's just putting it in a format so it's it's consumable, so it makes sense, right? And you can get to the exceptions really quickly, so you're not overwhelmed by all the details. So you just made an interesting point, and that was not the point where you referred to our product, but I, I found it more interesting that you said that they are so caught in day-to-day -day actions that they actually don't look at the data that they have. And then you mentioned that customers could use like the actual data that they capture with Business Central to review setup times or review runtime. So they review their routings and by having, let's say, better routings or better times within their routings, run their shop smoother. So is it common observation that routings often do not represent reality? I think... For me, it is a lot of times the routing tends to be a costing tool or a they somewhat represent reality, right? I mean, you know that I can make 100 pieces of this per hour or I can make a thousand per hour or it takes me a half hour to set up this job usually. But then a lot of times customers start putting in things like, well, I'm going to put a, you know, a four hour wait in this so that if it gets it done before Before noon, I, I might start the next operation that day. Otherwise, I'll start it the next day. The other side of the routing is a lot of times they really kind of cover the machine capacity side of it and not the people because we operated with a lot of assembly lines where you could move people around. 
you also see this in a first shift, second shift scenario where first shift, you might have an operator every machine, but second shift, you might only have half. It's kind of where do I move those people? What's really going on my floor? So some work centers, you know, when you're really looking at just people, I don't really care as much about my capacity because I know I can move people into there and, you know, get more done with less, right? Depending on what type of operation it is. If it's machine driven, you're, you can't just add two people to a machine and cut your time in half, right? So, but then this people planning or capacity leveling with shifting people from one work center to another, is it fair to say that this is more in a, in a job shop type of environment than in a machine shop type of environment? So where you have a mixture of machine and manual work? Yeah, I, I would say it's much more prevalent in a shop where you're doing some kind of station-based assembly work. It's not like you set up a punching press and, you know, the press goes and runs and that, that time that the machine is running dictates your time. But a lot of times, you know, companies tend to run leaner and even though they may have a machine, they may not have an operator for it. So there's this this need to kind of look at both, do I have a machine available and do I have an operator available? And Or do I have enough people to run my whole assembly line? If we had a work cell, if you ran it with six people, or if you ran it with 12 people, it was very efficient. If you ran it with anything in between, you kind of lost efficiency. They had people standing, waiting, not really doing anything. So it was kind of a line balancing thing. But we really cared more. And I think a lot of customers care more when they're moving people around a lot. They first care, do, is my machine over capacity, right? But aside from that, they look and say, is my whole shop floor overloaded? If I only have, if I have 20 employees, but my daily work is for 30 employees, it's overloaded. Now, of course, there's ways to solve that. And this goes back to the, you know, the routing may not represent reality because you might work, you might work overtime, you might work a Saturday, you might work a Sunday, and not everybody's going to go in and turn on Saturday and Sunday as working days and do everything that you would need to do to kind of make your routing and your your production or match actually what's going on in reality on the shop floor. This combined, let's say, planning and scheduling of machine and people, this is, at least in my experience, something that is not one of the strongest points of Business Central. So how do you accomplish this with Business Central for your clients. I'm really curious to learn about this, and I would bet that some people listening to it can relate with the problem, but also would be kind of curious to learn how this can get accomplished with what we have in Business Central. I haven't found the magic bullet great solution to this. You know, it varies everything from people who use Power BI, they'll use other Excel reporting tools to kind of look at, again, go back to pulling the data out of Business Central and then analyzing that data. Even when you look at that data that's really based on your routings, I mean, you can add up and say, well, I've got 30 hours of work here, but I only have 20 hours worth of time. And you can kind of see, I need to do something in this situation, right? But going back again, where the routing doesn't always represent reality, it might, the routing might say it takes three days to make this, but most people know that if I actually walk this thing through the shop and go from operation to operation, and, you know, as soon as I have, say, one pallet of product, I might start the next operation. Now you have things like send ahead quantity that you can mimic this in, in your routing, but you know, going and actually changing it, there's not a lot of bang for your buck there, right? I mean, because they have this order done by the time they go change it, replan everything and everything else. You know, I've seen cases where it says it takes three days to make something and they can actually make it if they just keep 
from one step to the other, they could make it in like six hours. It's a challenge, but that's what kind of manufacturing is. It's, it's I always say manufacturing is messy and it'll always be a little messy. So then the messiness would also go to like, if manufacturing is messy, then scheduling is messy and we leave the schedule like messy and say, okay, the schedule will tell us this takes, like you just said, 30 hours, but then we release the production order, we give it to the shop floor and we know that there by adding, for example, more capacity, more people to it, it will be done faster. And then shop floor kind of will finish the production order in six hours. And once we see this, We can release the next production order because we already get the notification that it is done. Is this is how you would see execution and scheduling working hand in hand to overcome a bit of this messiness? The big thing in Business Central is Business Central really plans. I would say it doesn't schedule. And then scheduling kind of has always fallen to like outside tools, you know, either add-ons or the old people are doing it in Excel or they have their morning meeting and say, these are the four hot orders we got to get through today. And then these are the other orders you need to work on next. It really depends on the environment. Some environments fit really well with that. You know, this is your task list. Once you're done with this, you just go to this and go to this and go to this. But, you know, most of the manufacturing companies you see They don't necessarily have that luxury where everything's that planned out because they're at the mercy of their customer saying, I, my line is down and I need this because they didn't plan well. But it, it becomes your crisis then. So you made a, a nice differentiation, I think, between planning um, and scheduling. And so I'm not a native speaker. And to me, this could sound like semantics. And I would say to me, all my planning and scheduling sounds as if this would be the same. So what, in your point of view, is the difference between planning and scheduling? And why is Business Central, like you said, made for the other and not made for scheduling? What we've kind of found over the years in Business Central is all MRP does is it matches up your supply and demand, right? And they do it based on your routing and lead times and everything else associated with it. So it's a, it's a nice, you end up with this plan, right? But then the reality is, if I have five production orders, I need to get through one work center, somebody has to decide which one's going to go first, right? And that's where kind of the scheduling comes in. And usually the people in charge of scheduling the floor like to have a little flexibility in what they want to put first, second, third, depending on what the needs are of the customer and the actual sales order, you know, how fast they need it. So they a lot of times will prioritize on that. But when you first look at it, it looks like planning and scheduling are the same. But in reality, when you start scheduling that floor, things overlap. Again, it gets messy. Scheduling is being able to take that plan and move things around a little so that you can kind of optimize or you can prioritize on your on your plant floor and what you're going to run first, second, and third, right? The problem you run into in Business Central is if I start moving my orders around, well, all the dates on the order move, and now I'm going to get messages in my planning that says, hey, you need to reschedule this back because now you're you're finishing it too late or you're finishing it too early, or now you don't, your material is not arriving in time, or your material is arriving too early because it's Planning is constantly trying to balance those two. There are some tools, you know, things like they call dampeners that allow you to kind of ignore some of those messages. And there's some safety lead times and things, but it never really works the way people 
want it to work. You know, they want to be able to just push that button and have everything perfect, right? And it just it just never works out that way, right? So then if you don't have this magic button, what would be a good hands-on, let's say, compromise to get to solve this issue with processes, routines, best practices? So what do you recommend your clients to do when they, on the one hand, work with planning and have supply and demand matched, but then also want to do this short-term sequencing that should not be impacted by planning anymore. What do you recommend your clients? How should they deal with this? It's really client-specific. It's kind of how they how do they run their floor? What do they need? How many bottlenecks do they have? And does that change over time? You know, like if it, if it's really one work center that's a bottleneck, they can kind of focus on that work center, right? They can put, you know, additional time in their in their routing or in their on the item so that they do purchase their material sooner, right? But every time you do something like that, now you're adding lead time in your process, right? And the more lead time you have, kind of the less flexibility you have. Things become a crisis sooner or they perceive to be a crisis. And let's face it, customers don't want to stock inventory. They want to order it and get it. You know, just like when you order something from Amazon.com, you you kind of now expect to get it the next day. Well, customers are kind of getting to that same expectation. So if your supply chain doesn't match that expectation, you're, you're always going to have problems, right? The customer just wants it when they want it. and then somehow you have to figure out how to give it to them when they want it or negotiate with them to say, no, you can't have it for two weeks because that's our standard lead time. I don't know if that really answered that question or not. <laughs> yeah, it answered the question to some degree, but it also kind of triggered the next question. And this is, do you see that your customers are fighting on two fronts or need to pursue two two conflicting targets at the same point of time. And this is like on-time delivery and on the one hand and capacity utilization on the other hand, because what you initially described is that they have maybe even additional capacity to be able to flexibly respond to customer inquiries so that they can move also capacity in terms of people from one work center to the other. But now with the answer you just gave, you said they want to avoid stock and capital cost, which means they also look at having less capacity and less working capital there, which then would lead to longer lead times again. How do they find the right balance between these two conflicting goals? That's kind of the game, isn't it? It's trying to do that balance of having enough capacity, but not having too much capacity where you have people standing around, stocking enough of the right inventory so that you're flexible And you can produce things as needed when you need it. And, you know, and, and pushing that down the supply chain potentially to stocking agreements with vendors and things like that. But it, it's always, a, as you said, it's kind of a balancing act and you're, you're always fighting it from two different ends. You know, if, if I stock more inventory, then I can ship quicker and easier. But if I stock more inventory, now I have all that money invested in inventory. And if customer doesn't take it, now I have obsolete inventory. Or I've made too much and I've used up all my raw materials and now I can't make something else. You know, the, the thing with efficiency is, is I, somebody told me one time that if you look at rush hour traffic and you're sitting in traffic, it's because 
the closer you get to 100% utilization, the more you get to be like that rush hour traffic. And they always say, well, only schedule your, your stuff to about 80% and then gives you more flexibility, which is true. But try telling that to a uh, CFO or something who sees that you have all this empty capacity sitting there on the floor. It's always a, again, you're, you're fighting with all those different areas of the business over competing goals. Yeah, maybe we need to tell this to the CFO when we are in the car with him in the traffic jam. I really like this analogy, by the way. The other thing that came into my mind, you said that also for your customers to kind of meet timeliness requirements of their customers, they push a lot more to the vendors so that they also expect timelier deliveries from their vendors. Does this kind of trend of, on the one hand, potentially subcontract and outsource more and go for shorter overall cycle times, does this also lead again to more, let's say, local production so that they don't shop everywhere, but that the manufacturers start to shop closer to where they are so that we get kind of manufacturing clusters again of companies working next to each other? Or is this something that you do not see happening right now? Again, you have those those competing goals, right? I, you know, I'm a strong believer in local suppliers, working with your suppliers like partners. When I was, again, when I was the end customer, I think it was a nearly nearly 90% of our suppliers were within a two-hour radius. We actually had a truck and could go pick up product. We did a lot with, with Kanbans or Kanban cards, depending on how you pronounce it. We would actually pull the tag off the pallet when it went to the production line, and that would go to our receiving guy, and the receiving guy would just place an, a new order because he had all the information on this laminated eight and a half by 11 card to place the purchase order, and then it would come in the next day, and then he would attach that tag back onto the product, which then, that I mean, that really allowed us to have a flexible raw material inventory, only really what we needed. You know, you could argue that we had a little more than what we needed because we had a full pallet sitting there when we didn't actually need it for a job, but we could always move jobs around then and know that we had enough for at least a day's run, right? or however long the lead time is. We did have items we bought from overseas. We tried to purchase components and not full finished items where they made sense. And, and we brought a lot of processes in-house. We bought our own welding ro robots and, and things like that. And by doing that, we actually, we had been purchasing a welded assembly from China for a while. And we were actually able to reduce cost and by improving the efficiency in-house in a work cell down to where we were a dollar cheaper than what it costs in China when you include freight and duties. I mean, you can compete and there's a huge benefit to having local suppliers. And I think going back to the Amazon analogy that you made, where customers shop today and expect delivery tomorrow, I think they are doing the same because the only way that they can achieve this fast delivery times is that they build warehouses close to their customers. I mean, they, they decentralized warehousing. We distributed product in Europe and we worked with a 3PL in Europe where we put product there and we refilled levels on a min-max, you know, so we were sending over, you know, either a container of product or a partial container of product every so often. But then our customers in Europe were able to get their product in three days or less versus three weeks or more, right? I think we are kind of getting to the end of the conversation already. If you would have a final general recommendation for a manufacturer implementing Business Central, 
what would you recommend them what they should do definitively? My big thing I always say is to keep it simple. You don't have to do it all, everything all at once. Keep your routing simple. Keep your bill of material straightforward. There's a lot of tools in there. There's things like send to head quantity and parallel routings. And uh, there's so many tools that you can use. But if you start very simply, it's more you're more much more likely to succeed. And you know that being simple translates all the way down to the shop floor, where if you give an operator a very simple process, you just click here. When you're done, you click here, you know, they're much more likely to follow that than if it's a 10 step process because they're in manufacturing. They want to find a way to do it quicker and easier and make it more efficient from themselves. They don't want to be doing things that's not really adding value to the product either. And the other thing I would say, one, keep it simple. Two, you need to kind of educate the workforce in the processes before and after their process, right? Because if the person on the floor doesn't understand the needs of, say, the warehouse, and they just go and start grabbing product off the shelf and using it and not telling anybody, well, the whole warehouse falls apart, right? And then if they understand then, well, the reason you don't have your parts is because you've been, you or somebody else has been grabbing parts off the shelf in the warehouse without recording it, and they start to understand that cause and effect of what they're doing, They tend to buy into the process then, and they become the own, the police of the process. And they see somebody going to take something off the shelf without paperwork, and they will, they'll call them out and say, Hey, you can't take that. You don't have, you know, any paperwork. You're going to mess up our, you're going to mess up our production here. So I asked for one advice and you gave two. So really cool. And then before that, you actually gave the third advice that you said that people should plan or schedule only for 80% of the capacity because then this decreases the likelihood that they go into a traffic jam resulting into long lead time. So yeah, you can actually increase your throughput by scheduling less. So. There were a couple of really actionable advice to people who listen to this. So Kevin, thank you very much for this. That was really insightful to me. I took with me some ideas for the way of how we build our product, but also how we try to educate our partners in using our product. I think for me, it was a benefit to talk to you. And I would, I'm pretty sure that it also was a benefit for everybody who listens to this. So thank you very much. Anytime, Martin. Cool. So I will invite you again. Promised. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Business Central Manufacturing Show. 